When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon or good evening, everybody. Ty uh, Ray with you, along with Rich Conti, walking the Celtics beat on this this Sunday, a pleasant Sunday. I couldn't be happier. The Eastern Conference Finals all tied up between the Pacers and the dreaded Miami Heat at three games apiece, and we'll touch on that in a moment. A good show for you today, folks. A really, really good show. We're going to be joined, Rich and I, in a few moments with uh, Baxter Holmes. He'll be gracing us with his presence. He's the Celtics beat writer from the Boston Globe. We're going to talk to him about the Paul Pierce contract situation. Will Doc Rivers be back? What about Kevin Garnett? He also wrote a column recently on the progress of Jared Sullinger after his back surgery, and we'll talk about all sorts of topics. He used to actually be the beat writer for the Los Angeles Lakers. Talk about a man that's had a chance to cover basketball royalty, both the Lakers and the Celtics. Should be a great conversation we have with Baxter, and it should be a great conversation I have right now with my co-host, Rich Conti. And Rich, you hear the enthusiasm in my voice about today's show because the Eastern Conference Finals are all tied up at three games apiece. What was this about the Heat being the best team of all time? Buddy, they sure look mortal against Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ty. I'm excited to uh, be working with you again. It's 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 been a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think we might have touched on this before, but um, you know, this the narrative about the you know the Heat becoming this uh, dynasty, and and I've even seen you know I think when this uh, Eastern Conference Finals and. Uh, started out i think uh, you know recall a few people on espn.com uh, talking about whether you know the heat season this past year was one of the best seasons of all time and you know it 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 just seems like it's so manufactured um you know certainly they had a great regular season uh they are the reigning champions but you know let's not forget they were 9 minutes away from you know being sent home by the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals last year and you know had that happened who knows you know does is Spolster back is Dwayne Wade back is Chris Bosch back, um, you know, a lot of pressure on that team to win. And, yeah, they, they 
they did bring home the championship last year. Um, but man, it looks like some of the seams are showing this year. Indiana's exposing their um, you know weakness on the interior with um, not just Roy Hibbert and the tremendous job he's been doing in this series, but uh, David West has also had a really big series, particularly last night. Man, playing with a 103 degree fever, uh, had a slow start, but really turned it on and and was a big difference when they kind of created that separation from Miami in the third quarter. And I have to ask you, Rich, Dwayne Wade, what do you think? Is this guy on his last legs, literally uh, watching him? He has all the heart in the world. I'm not going to knock Dwayne Wade, even though I think he's somewhat of a cheap chart artist, and that's been well documented. But the guy is a gamer, and he's really, really struggling out there. I think he's only averaging, what, 14 points in the series, not being the impactful player that Dwayne Wade can be. Yeah, you know, certainly he's always had a little bit of that Allen Iverson in in him, certainly a bigger player than Iverson was, but just his style of play and and just the the recklessness with which he kind of flies around on the court obviously takes a a physical toll. And, you know, he's he's been, um, you know, dealing with a knee issue for for most of this season, it seems like. Um, You know, it's funny, it seems like it's fine when the Heat are winning and then when they they struggle, uh, the attention turns back to his, his... physical condition um so you know i i think he's probably seen his better days as a player but man you know those better days were you know a top two or three player in the league so i you know would expect him to be even you know in, in a bit of a diminished capacity still having a, a big imprint on this series and he and he just really isn't and you know i wonder if uh, at some point, do people start asking if the reason if LeBron is not the reason why LeBron never seems to have enough help? I mean, he he got the situation he wanted. He's playing next to two players that he basically handpicked a couple of summers ago, and you know they they um, they made it to the finals that first year and and were beaten by the Mavericks. They won it all last year, and they're you know they're they're facing a stiff test here. And you know I I, I don't know what else what other situation he could be in. To to get better help than he has now, yet it always seems like it isn't enough. And, Rich, we're going to touch on that after we get through talking to Baxter Holmes, the Celtics beat writer, about what's going on with the Celtics this year. The back part of the show, we're going to talk about your column, which is entitled Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. And that's featured right now, folks, on CLNSRadio.com. It is one of my favorite columns, Rich, that you ever written, and I'm not trying to give you a pat on the back. I just thought it was very thought-provoking, and you outlined uh, a lot of great things about LeBron James and how he may not make his team better. And you also opened my eyes to some things about the Boston Celtics and how they should move forward rebuilding uh, their team. So we're going to talk about that, but let's get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, Rich. I don't mean to sound like Clint Eastwood in Grand Torino here and go all crazy, but I thought last night's performance by LeBron James after he was called for a personal foul when he went up against Roy Hibbert, was outrageous. His performance was outrageous. I think it's bad for the NBA to have a player like LeBron James, a player of his magnitude. He is the biggest player in the game today, acting like a three-year-old on the basketball court, running up and down and mocking the officials. I thought that was grounds for dismissal. I thought he got a slap on the wrist with only one technical foul. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, if you want to carry that mantle of being the you know the best player of the league, um, you know that that comes with an awful lot of responsibility in terms of being the face of the league. And you know, I, I think the perception that's that's there now, and I think LeBron has created much of this perception is in himself. I think the league is somewhat complicit, but you know, the perception is that LeBron is above the league, um, and and by extension, the Heat are above the league, and and they set the terms, and 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 the league follows because you know they're the, the the marketing powerhouse and you know that's just that shows a, a for me a blatant um lack of respect for the game um you know that you know has has put him in the position to enjoy uh all of the the, the riches and the fame that he's enjoyed and it, it just you know he still um carries himself as if the league the fans the other teams in the league all owe him something. And, you know, that moment, I think, um, you know, it was hard to, um, to, to ignore that as being an, an, a, a, you know, really powerful example of that attitude of entitlement that he has, you know, heck, Every player in the league is subject to bad calls here and there. I actually think that was the right call at that point of time. Um, Hibbert went straight up in the air. Yes, he was off his feet, but he went straight up in the air, and LeBron drove directly into him. Hibbert didn't leave his feet until after LeBron had taken off. Um, you know, it was it, it, at best it could have gone either way. And you know, as a player in the NBA, you. You know, it's 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 not always fun, but you know, you let the officials do their job. Every player, as I said, has been subject to a bad call here and there, and to just you know act like somehow you're exempt and 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 it's an affront, uh, you know, for you to be treated the same way that the rest of the league is treated, you know, just just to me, you know, really shows what's at, at the core of this guy, and it's that that vanity, that that sense of entitlement. Rich, I spend far too much time on social media for my own good because I get into these discussions with younger younger fans that I know I can't win. They call me a nerd, a geek, because I care about the integrity of the game, and I think it shows a little generational gap from us fans from the 1980s, from the 1970s until now where the marketing machine – don't get me wrong. There was marketing in the age with Magic and Bird, but it seems a lot more different than it does today. Uh, with LeBron James. And I, as I said last night on Facebook, I said, hey, remember the day when Jordan, Bird, and Magic Johnson all flopped? Well, the answer is no. They didn't do those types of things because they believed in the integrity of the game. And, Rich, like I said, I don't want to be Clint Eastwood and Grant Torino with my gun telling the kids to get off the lawn, but what I want them to do is to really think about the integrity of the game and what's happening to the integrity of the game. Because I actually think the NBA is in a little bit of trouble here with a credibility issue. And when older fans like you and I or you know, relatives of mine, older friends of mine, quit watching the game, that's a problem. When they think the outcome is being predetermined, I'm not saying fixed. I don't believe that, Rich. But when they think that certain players get certain rights while other ones don't, that's a serious problem for the league, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, the NBA has created the situation. You know, you, uh, you, even going back to Bird and Magic, um, you know, the NBA made a decision um, in the early 80s that their way back to prominence and their way back into the national attention span was to market individuals. 
you know we were all familiar with you know um you know the NBA on on NBC Saturday you know uh Magic uh, and Bird Lakers and Celtics you know it was always the focus on the individual and then you know certainly Jordan came along at a time where you know he kind of picked up that mantle and just his his individual brilliance uh, and and dominance and will just made him a naturally compelling figure. And in many ways, you know, LeBron James is just kind of the, the, the logical outcome of what's been happening over the past 25 to 30 years. You know, there was bound to become along a player so physically um, talented and so skilled uh, that, you know, he could dominate the game the way LeBron has. And growing up in that culture where, you know, what was valued and, and what the league focused on was individual skills and talents, you know, it's it's not surprising, you know, that we're here. You know, back when, you know, Bird and Magic and even Jordan um, were, were, were kind of at the top of their games and dominating the league, you know, what was really valued wasn't that individual brilliance. It was just, it was the dominant uh, dominance. It was the competitiveness. And, you know, the league just really isn't as competitive in the same way it was uh, in, the, in the 80s and early 90s. You know, sure, teams fight hard, they play hard, but there isn't that same undercurrent of, you know, it's all about about the wins and losses. I think, you know, the Spurs are maybe a, a, a counterexample of that. Um, Indiana seems to, you know, be that type of team as well. And, of course, I think the Celtics during their, their you know, resurgent year of 2008 kind of had a little bit about that. But, you know, it's all about the individuals now. It's all about the vanity. It's all about, you know, um, look at me, pay attention to me. You see players, you know, hitting bad shots and, and running down court, popping their jerseys. Right. Where, you know, Celebrating. And, yeah, no. at, at best, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan would have kind of run back with kind of a sheepish grin on their face, like they shook their yeah, head. Right. I really shouldn't have done that, but I got away with it. You know, now it's supposed to be you know a a, a symbol of of what you are as a player, and it's just you know it's the league's values are in, in a in a strange place. And you know, honestly, I, I think an Indiana San Antonio Finals would be one of the best things to happen in the NBA in a long time. And yet, um, Mitch, we would hear about the low ratings for those finals. Oh yeah. Yep. That's all they would talk about. And to me, there's nothing sexier than looking up at TD Garden and seeing 17 banners. And I'm sure there's nothing sexier for fans in San Antonio to look up in their rafters and see four banners. Because isn't that really what it's all about? I wish I had a penny for every time I heard that the Spurs are boring. Hell no, they're not boring. They play basketball the way it should be played. Tim, Bo- uh, Tim Duncan's not a boring player. Tony Parker's boring. Where did this myth come from, Rich? Where did it come from? Well, it's, you know, it's, 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 I think ultimately it's um, a lot of it is born kind of in the AAU circuit. Um, you know, all of those teams play like a one-four offense where you take the the one guy that your team was kind of lucky to recruit and get on your team. You put, you know, you give him the ball. Doesn't matter if he's six ten or six two, right? You know, you give him the ball at the top of the key. Everybody spreads out and you let him go one on one or one on two and 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 kick to a shooter and and or you know somebody's going to slash off the the kick and or the driving kick and you know that's the way, you know, these, these players are, you know, being conditioned and, and grown up and, you know, people watch that and, and everybody wants to be the guy breaking somebody's ankles off the, off the dribble or, you know, hitting the three or, you know, and just the fundamentals and the, you know, the, the beauty of the, the movement of the game um, just isn't appreciated. I think to the same degree it, it, it was. Very good point, Rich. Very good point. We're going to go to our first break and we, we come back we're going to talk to Baxter Holmes beat writer for the Boston Celtics from the Boston Globe. Stay with us on the Celtics beat.
Hey, this is Mike Faye from Mike T. Just reminding you about all of the great stuff we have right here on CLNSRadio.com. Even though the Celtics may be in the offseason, our Celtics postgame show will be back in better than ever when the boys in green take the parquet again. And until then, stay with CLNS for outstanding coverage of the Red Sox and Paw Sox, plus we still have our outstanding weekly shows. Tuesday night at 7.30, it's the Boston Sports Connection, hosted by CLNS content manager Sean Backey. One hit away from perfect game, and he was dealing on Saturday. On Wednesday, Brian Langford brings you the evening score at 8. I always tell you, I'm not scared to go into it. I'll go completely into it. And tune in Thursday nights at 9 for NBA for Life with Pat and AWOL. The Pacers win games when they go inside to David West and Roy Hibbert. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. And there are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Hi, everyone. It's Ty Ray from King of the Court and the Celtics postgame show. clnsradio.com is rapidly expanding and you can be a part of it all. Join the CLNS radio community today. Register as a CLNS member. When you join, you'll get your very own blog page and profile. And signing up is so easy, you can even use your Facebook page to do it. While you're at it, text CLNS fans to 22828 to join our e-updates community. That's CLNS fans, one word, to 22828. And don't forget, you can always chat and become a part of the conversation on our message board. That's at clnsradio.com backslash forum. CLNS Radio is getting bigger and better every day, and we want you to be right there with us. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you are listening to CLNS Radio. CLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. Welcome back to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Ty Ray, Rich Connie with you on a Sunday, and so pleased to be joined right now by Baxter Holmes, beat writer from the Boston Globe for the Boston Celtics. Baxter, thanks for joining Celtics Beat today. We do appreciate it. Hey, sure. My pleasure. So I'll have to ask you the question that everybody, I'm sure, has been asking you. Is Paul Pierce going to be in the green in 2013-2014? Well, it's it's a great question, and uh, I think it's the question at the forefront for anybody who's following the Celtics, whether you're a diehard fan or you're just a Casual NBA observer because you know you, you think that this uh, this coming season could be the first um, what since 1998 that Paul Pierce isn't out there. Um, I think you know there's 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 pros and cons um, as to whether or not uh, bringing back um, you know they have until obviously uh, June 30th to 
buy him out for five million. Otherwise, uh, he's owed fifteen point three three million uh, guaranteed for the rest of the season. Um, and I, you know, Danny Ainge is going to take his time to try to make that decision. I honestly, you know, and this is just my opinion. I don't, uh, but I, I honestly think that bringing him back is kind of an easier easier choice. Um, he, certainly the way that he played in the last two playoff games um, would lead people to think, oh, you know, this is um, it, it's maybe time to cut the cord and let go, you know, but there's also the question of, um, you know, with him at the end, was that Amon Shumpert's defense? Was that Pierce's decline? Was he out of gas because, you know, they were Shorthanded, and I'd, I'd kind of be interested, uh, honestly, to see how he'd look out there with, you know, Rondo back healthy, Solinger back healthy, Green able to take a, uh, you know, he obviously stepped up, you know, uh, from the midway point of the season on, and it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, him what his role would be next year, and if Paul could take a uh, maybe a little bit of a lesser role, but there's also the question of whether or not he would want to do that. Um, but, you know, if, if they amnesty him, you know, payroll is still going to be near, like, the $59 million uh, cap level for next season. So it won't really create any cap space to, to sign a free agent. So right now, moving or cutting him really won't bring uh, that much in return because there's probably not a lot of teams out there that, you know, view him as, as valuable. So, I, you know, I think I uh, I won't be surprised well, I won't be surprised either way, but um, I, only, I, I think, honestly, it makes more sense for Paul to come back uh, for another year. And if things aren't working out, they can still try to move him at the, in February around the trade deadline. Hey, Baxter, this is Rich Conti. Um, you know, just curious, I'm uh, you know, not sure um, how much insight you have into, um, you know, the market for Pierce, but, you know, from from your understanding, you know, of Ainge and, and the, what the Celtics are trying to do moving forward, you know, what type of deal do you think um, Ainge would be looking for to, to consider uh, moving Pierce? Well, you know, that's an interesting question um, in terms of what they might be able to get. Um, I, you know, I don't know exactly what Danny's can be kind of hard to read. I mean, he's obviously one of the, probably one of the more aggressive deal makers, um, in the NBA. I mean, that's, you know, that his track record has proven that several years back. Um, Mm -hmm. there was talks of course, you know, that he was involved or that they were chatting with the Clippers for a potential blockbuster deal, um, you know, back when, um, that would, I guess what shipped Paul out there. So uh, one thing that I do think um, that if they were to move Pierce, even though that this is a, even though this is a business, I think they would take into consideration where they're sending him um, to to make sure that he would be kind of happy. I don't think that they would send him to a you know a team that's really on the downturn. Um, and a and a place a, a location that he you know probably wouldn't want to go, so I do think that you know they they probably they feel loyal to him, and, and would, if they did trade him they'd you know want to see him in a situation where he'd be happy. But it's you know in terms of if they could do a straight up deal for Paul, um, and you know somebody else, it'd be hard to try to pull that off. I think um, to get the salaries to match. 
I think there'd have to be, you know, it'd have to be a package deal with multiple guys and probably even draft picks. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, again, if, if, you know, Paul's going to be 36 by the time next season starts, and it's just a question of how valuable other teams might see him uh, or view him as. And, you know, truthfully, that there's not, you know, those kind of guys, there's just, you know, father time is undefeated, and there's not going to, and that's not looking to change anytime soon. So he may be more valuable to the Celtics um, because of, you know, the, there just aren't too many possibilities out there um, versus, uh, you know, being with some other team via trade. So, Baxter, are KG and Doc waiting to see what happens with Pierce before they make their decisions? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, you know, KG, uh, Paul is would seem to be the first domino. Um, and, you know, Danny alluded to that, you know, recently talking about how he hasn't talked to Garnett because he doesn't have yet the uh, answers that, you know, he knows Garnett, uh, to the questions that he knows Garnett's going to ask. Um, and, you know, that's that's paramount. So I, I kind of look at Paul as the first domino. Once his um, his kind of path is defined, I think that, makes it easier for Kevin. Now, for Doc, I, you know, as to why he hasn't uh, publicly come out and said, you know, I'm definitely, I'm in for next season. Uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly. I don't, I, I, this is just me. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into the idea that he's not coming back. You know, he was at the draft workouts. Um, he's, you know, him and Danny talk all the time. I don't, and he didn't give the impression of uh, at the end of the year that he wasn't coming back. You know, he said, "I'm coming back until I say I'm not." So, um, yeah, I don't put I don't put too much stock into it. Um, from people I've talked to, nobody has given me the impression that Doc wouldn't be back. Um, and if he's just taking his time because he wants to decompress um, and uh, you know, what, spend time with family, you're out on the golf course, he's sure he's out there every day anyway, Um, and, you know, watch some basketball, and that's fine, you know. Um, And they're usually, I mean, the last few years, they've been playing this time of year anyway. So uh, if he's just taking some time off, that's fine. Um, I guess it it can be a little bit unnerving because there's always the what if, possibly, oh, he might not come back and whatnot. You know, he's also the highest-paid coach in the league, like seven, you know, seven million a year, I believe. So I, you know, I don't have too much doubt that he'll be back. And as for KG, as I said, I think a big factor is going to be Paul. You know, they're they're good friends, and I think, um, you know that that'll be, uh, you know, Paul. The future of Paul will be a huge factor, and in, in whether or not we see Garnett in a Celtics uniform next season. Hey Baxter, uh, you know, bringing up uh, the, the question of why Doc hasn't. Um, you know, stated publicly, despite all the speculation that's been out there, that, that he's coming back. Is this too Machiavellian, or could that actually be at the behest of uh, Ainge? Uh, in other words, if there's uncertainty about the Celtics' situation, uh, you know, heading into the off season, does that actually create a little bit more market value potentially for Pierce? Um, you know, thinking that, well, hey, you know, the, the Celtics may actually be more serious about moving him. And you know, in, in terms of the speculation about uh, Pierce, it seems like a lot of it's emanating from. Stephen A. Smith, and you know, is is he just doing his jobs 
during the pot, you know, what he, what he gets paid for, yeah. or, you know, he does have a relationship with Billy King, and, and obviously the Nets were, were very interested in uh, Doc. Was is was there a little bit of an agenda there, maybe? Uh, you know, I, you know, I can't, you know, I won't really speak for Stephen A. Um, as to, you know, some of the rumors that were out there, um, you know, people in and around the Celtics, if you talk to them, they put, you know, no stock in it. Um, and, you know, that's, is there, does that mean that there's not a shred of truth to any of that? No, it doesn't. Um, does that mean that any of that's likely? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, there's just, there's the thing that I think NBA fans, um, and even we in the media, sometimes we latch onto the idea of talk. Oh, this team's talking to that team. They're talking about this player and that player. But the fact of the matter is, teams talk all the time about possibilities because it's competitive, it's a multi-million dollar business, and they're looking to get better and potentially make moves all the time. So teams, you know, these guys are on their phones all the time thinking about possibilities and talking about possibilities, and so many of them don't even get uh, very far down the road in terms of, you know, uh, whether or not something becomes plausible. Um, And there's a lot of things that have to match up. You know, the money has to match up, the you know, both teams kind of had to be happy to, before they pull the trigger on a deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, in in terms of um, in terms of like speculation, you know, that that uh, Stephen A. or others have, have put out there, some of it kind of seems, um, or it can seem at times to be a little bit, you know, like jarring or whatnot. Um, again, you know, people close to the Celtics, they haven't really put too much stock in it, and I haven't, you know, anything I've heard hasn't really lined up with a lot of that either. Um, that, and what was the, the first part of your question you were asking about? Um, uh, about oh, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, about whether, you know, Ainge actually could be the one, uh, you know, um, asking Doc to maybe, um, you know, not come out and make a public statement as a way of maybe creating more market value for Pierce. Or is that is that a little oh. too um, tinfoil helmet? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, uh, I haven't, that's, <laughs> that's a new one. I haven't, I haven't heard that, or I haven't heard that or even, uh, Conjured it up, you know. I, the one thing I'll say is that, you know, as I said before, Danny is a uh, an aggressive deal maker, dealing Danny, um, and uh, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't. There, there probably isn't a scheme or idea that I would put past him. Um, <laughs> you know, I really, yeah, the guy. I mean, there. And, and as much as, we, and as much as, like fans and media, we. we Speculating on potential deals, you know, we'll go onto the ESPN.com trade machine and, you know, come up with all these crazy concoctions of things, you know, that we think, oh, this works or whatever, they should do it. Um, you know, I there there probably isn't much that they haven't already thought of before we have. So, um, so I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't put anything past them. But that that the, what what you just described is new to me. I haven't, I haven't uh, yeah. <laughs> Baxter, we know you've got work to do, so we're going to let you go. I just have one question for you. What's with the bow tie? you got to explain before we let you go. Well, you know, so um, I only have one uh, one bow tie, that bow tie. And I've only actually <laughs> worn it to uh, one of them. I've only worn it once. Um, um, it was at a um, – I used, so I used to work at the Los Angeles Times before I moved to Boston in uh, January to cover the Celtics for the Globe. And uh, I was with uh, my girlfriend at a downtown event 
in L.A. It was uh, this I'm trying, I'm trying to remember exactly what it, it was like. It's a downtown uh, athletic club in Los Angeles, and it was the kind of event where it was like a throwback night where people dressed, you know, like the 1920s or something. And the closest thing I had to anything of years ago was a bow tie. And so I put it on, and, and they snapped a photo. And, you know, I was trying to think of some kind of photo that would look professional, and that's about as good as I got. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's – it's, I've worn it once, um, and I've thought of, like, when would be a good time to wear it again. I almost wore it for game six. I thought, well, you know, it could be a last game. I might as well. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, it's just collecting dust. Yeah, I'll well, you wear it well, my though. friend. Not everybody can rock oh, the bow tie. Yeah, not everybody can rock the bow tie. Thanks for joining us today, Baxter. We do appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. You guys take care. You too. Have a, have a good Sunday. That's Baxter Holmes, beat writer for the Boston Celtics, joining us today on CLNS Radio with some interesting takes on the Paul Pierce contract situation, KG's return, Doc Rivers, and my co-host, Rich Conti, getting very conspiratorial. Nice job, Rich. I think I watched a little too much X-Files last night. (laughs) (laughs) It put me in that frame of mind. It's the David Duchovny in you coming out, my friend. That's right. All right, let's do this. Let's reset. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, Rich, we're going to talk about the column that you posted called Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. Right now, you can read that piece on CLNS Radio. Rich will detail it for us when we come back with more on the Celtics Beat. Hey, this is Mike Fay from Mike T. Just reminding you about all of the great stuff we have right here on clnsradio.com. Even though the Celtics may be in the offseason, our Celtics postgame show will be back in better than ever when the boys in green take the parquet again. And until then, stay with CLNS for outstanding coverage of the Red Sox and Paw Sox, plus we still have our outstanding weekly shows. Tuesday night at 7.30, it's the Boston Sports Connection, hosted by CLNS content manager Sean Backey. One hit away from perfect game, and he was dealing on Saturday. On Wednesday, Brian Langford brings you the evening score at 8. I always tell you, I'm not scared to go into it. I'll go completely into it. And tune in Thursday nights at 9 for NBA for Life with Pat and AWOL. The Pacers win games when they go inside to David West and Roy Hibbert. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. And there are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Hi, everyone. It's Ty Ray from King of the Court and the Celtics postgame show. clnsradio.com is rapidly expanding, and you can be a part of it all. Join the CLNS radio community today. Register as a CLNS member. When you join, you'll get your very own blog page and profile. And signing up is so easy, you can even use your Facebook page to do it. While you're at it, text CLNS fans to 22828 to join our e-updates community. That's CLNS fans, one word, to 22828. And don't forget, you can always chat and become a part of the conversation on our message board. That's at clnsradio.com backslash forum clns radio is getting bigger and better every day and we want you to be right there with us celticsblog.com blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors jeff clark is the most distinguished celtics blogger on the web celtics blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide celtics fans the most unique thoughtful and in-depth commentary online 
There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you are listening to CLNS Radio. CLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. One, two, three. It's the Celtics Beat with Ty Ray. Some groovy music for you on a Sunday. Ty Ray, Rich Connie, Celtics Beat. We just had a very enlightening conversation, I thought, Rich, with Baxter Holmes, the beat writer for the Celtics. He works at the Boston Globe. Some interesting takes from Mr. Holmes. What was your impressions? Yeah, I mean, he's really been a breath of fresh air since he came to the Globe. Um, you know, the Globe, you know, back, you know, in the 80s and 90s was, you know, probably the most respected uh, sports pages in, in the country. And, you know, obviously with the, the advent of, uh, you know, uh, online Internet, um, you know, based sources and, and social media, you know, the the, the publishing industry is, uh, you know, uh, taking a bit of a hit and trying to, you know, sort out their, um, you know, their future. Sure. Um, uh, but man, you know, guys like Baxter having them in the toe, um, you know, really uh, is a great thing for the Globe. And just really enjoyed his commentary, particularly, you know, the uh, the commentary on, on Danny Ainge and, and the idea of, um, you know, how aggressive he is and, and how, you know, he, he – you know, can't really put anything past them, you know, be surprised if uh if there was any scenario we as fans could come up with that, you know, that you know, he hasn't already considered and um you know, that's one of the reasons I think the Celtics are in good shape with with Ainge at the helm. And, and Danny as we know certainly not not worried about people thinking poorly of him. Look at the Kendrick, you know, Perkins Jeff Green trade he made and he took all sorts of criticism for that. We don't need to get into that on today's show. That has been well-documented, but it seems like it's working out just fine considering the way that Jeff has improved and Kendrick's decline. But let's get to your article, Rich, called Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. And anyone listening, please go to CLNS Radio. Go to Rich's column. It's outstanding work. He addresses LeBron James and the Miami Heat, and he talks about the future of the Boston Celtics. And what I found most interesting for myself, Rich, as a Celtic fan, is this notion that people have – Let's blow it up. Let's start over again. And you outline outline why rebuilding through the draft doesn't guarantee success. Yeah, you know, it kind of occurred to me you know, in thinking about the you know, the conference finalists this year, and of course, you know, the Russell Westbrook injury uh, had a big impact on that. But if you actually look at the teams, the conference finalists uh, in uh, this year's playoffs. You know, if you kind of break it down, there's roughly, you know, 37 players among those four teams. You could really consider, you know, heavy-duty rotation players. You know, give, you know, one or two. For example, is is Mike Miller a rotation player for the for the Heat? Well, probably not. But, you know, if you really broke down those 37 players and, you know, kind of looked at how the team uh, acquired them, 15 of them were free agents of, of some form or another, right? Some were 
were uh, high impact free agents. Um, you know, uh, obviously LeBron James and and Chris Bosh come to mind. Uh, they were sign and trades, uh, so technically they were traded for, but the reality is they were free agent signings. And others were guys that that teams just kind of grabbed off the scrap heap. You know, uh, the Spurs signed Danny Green, who's a key part of their rotation. Um, you know, really off the scrap heap after he was released by Cleveland. So you had 15 of those players were, you know, uh, you know, over a third of them were 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 picked up as free agents. Another 10 were acquired by trade, right? So, you know, there's 25 of the 37 right there. And only five of those players in that, that those rotations were actually drafted in the lottery by their current team. You know, I think, you know, the, the, the um, you know, one of the, the popular narratives out there is that, well, you know, if you're not already a championship team, the best thing to do is to be in the lottery and then you get access to that top end talent pool. And that's, that's how you, you, you build your team back up. But the reality is it doesn't really happen that way very often and you know if you look at those five players that were drafted um in the lottie by the current team obviously Dwayne Wade is you know uh fits the classic description of a of a you know of that top tier talent that that you can really only get uh through the lottery um or that people think you can only get through the lottery but then you look at some of the others that uh, Duncan obviously is that type of talent but the reality is that for those folks of you who, who remember um you know obviously most self fans, you know, remember the lottery that year. The only reason the Spurs were in the lottery was because David Robinson missed the entire previous season with an injury. So there was a team that was already a, a title caliber team that just threw, you know, just kind of the, 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 the breaks uh, ended up with, um, you know, a lost season, but ultimately got rewarded for it in the form of, you know, their next superstar in Tim Duncan. And then, you know, you've got um, Mike Conley of the, the, the Grizzlies, and he was a number four overall pick, has turned into a wonderful player. But, um, you know, it, it's hard to make an argument that the Grizzlies um, might not be a, as good as they are with, you know, a Rajon Rondo who wasn't a lottery pick or a Tony Parker who wasn't a lottery pick uh, in that in that position. And then, you know, the, the, the last two are uh, on the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Paul George, you know, was a number 10 pick kind of in that, that late lottery. So that starts to even strain the argument a, a little bit because, you know, the reality is Indiana was very fortunate that a lot of teams passed on him. And then, you know, the fifth player is Tyler Hansborough, who's, you know, a rotate, solid rotation player, but certainly not, um, you know, a make or break player for the, the Pacers. So, you know, really only, you know, five players of those 37 were, were acquired by, you know, being, you know, in the lottery and, and, and you know, um, having suffered through that losing and, and, and getting the reward for it. Uh, five other players were, were just as many of them were drafted in the mid to late first round. So you can get impactful players in the middle to late part of the first round. Um, so if you're a team that has success, the draft is still, a, a you know, a way to build on that set, uh, success and sustain it. And then two of the players were, were, were second rounders. So, you know, I think that really speaks to the fact that there's a lot of different ways to, to build a team. A uh, lottery talent is a key. Um, lottery level talent is a key. You know, obviously you need one of those um, real – high level impact players to to make it as far as the conference finals but there's actually many ways to acquire them and being bad enough to get a lottery pick is probably not the 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 best way to acquire them and if you look at the teams that have been successful it's because of success at the coaching level at the management level sorry you were breaking up there no i I, what i was saying rich was 
it's important, and I say this all the time when I hear comments like, fire Danny Ainge, fire Doc Rivers. It is so important to have stability in management at the head coaching position with Doc Rivers, at the head, at the general manager position with Danny Ainge, and great, great ownership committed to winning and letting his management do his thing. I'm talking about Wick Grosbeck, who totally trusts Danny and Doc. It's so important to have that kind of stability, and it's that kind of stability that leads to success. Just look at San Antonio for another example, who's been successful for years, years and years and years. So I, I, I totally agree with you, Rich. The idea of you just want to blow things up and hope things yeah, work out in the draft is nonsense. The, yeah, the most successful franchises, almost by definition, the ones that sustain the success, do that by sustaining success, right? Exactly. You know, yeah, re- rebuilding is a last resort. It's it's something you do when you've made so many bad decisions that you've got to kind of dig out from them and, and you start trying to figure out how to – contracts, how to take a step back and, and kind of rebuild your, your culture. And typically it's a whole new management and, and uh, coaching structure that, that ends up doing that. But the teams that are successful and are able to sustain that success do that by maintaining as much payroll and salary cap flexibility as they can, um, being smart about taking advantage of opportunities that draft and the trade market present, just like Ainge did in, in 2008 in the years leading up to that. The centerpiece so that KG deal, let's not forget, was Al Jefferson, That's correct. Who, yeah. who was drafted with the 15th pick in the draft, and the Celtics are drafting 16th this year. Um, and really this idea of sacrifice, intentionally sacrificing competitiveness to land in the lottery, it's just historically proven it doesn't translate into success. No, it doesn't. And anybody who knows the history of the Boston Celtics knows that the ping pong balls don't necessarily <laughs> bounce their way. So counting on the lottery, not a guarantee of any type if you're a, a Celtics fan. So get those thoughts out of your head. And quite frankly, Rich, this team, even without, I think, Pierce or Garnett, pretty talented on some level. So they're not going to be that awful anyway when you're talking Rondo and Bradley and Solinger and Jeff Green and Brandon Bass and Courtney Lee. There's some decent talent there. There's some really decent talent there to think about. So it's... I, I, Rich, are you there? Two oh two, you're on the line. What would you like to talk about? Um, I wanted to know why. Uh, do, what do you do? You, is, what what possible case do you see a Celtics making this all season? 
Oh, could you repeat that question for me? I said, what possible trades do you see the focus vision this all season? This offseason, well, I think it all is going to depend on what exactly happens with Pierce. I don't think we're going to see them do anything uh, soon because they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Pierce, whether or not they want to buy him out, whether or not they're going to trade him out. And I think Danny's going to wait till the last minute to do something in that, that regard. It's all going to come down here to the end of June. By the way, for, for those of you just tuning in, we just lost Rich Conti, my co-host, and it was really interesting. It sounded like we had some fireworks going uh, on in the background. I want to thank you for bearing with us and continuing to listen to the show. But getting back to your question, caller. First of all, caller, where are you calling from and what's your name? Oh, it's Devontae. It's Devontae NBA. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? I follow you on Twitter. We talk from time to time. It's uh, yeah. uh, it's great to finally uh, talk to you. Yeah, I, I really don't know, and I, I think – it depends on the Celtics cap flexibility too. And we don't really know where that stands uh, as well. So what I'd like to see, I'd really like to see the Celtics acquire some sort of, some sort of big man. I think we're all thinking that that's a, uh, that's a direction that they should go in, but whether or not they can do that, that's a whole different story. It all depends on the money involved. And it's uh it's a frustrating process for the Celtics. We just don't, Devontae, thanks for uh, thanks for staying with us. Yeah, I've uh, got some fireworks. Does it sound like fireworks to you, Devontae? Yes, it does. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. But uh, anyhow, yeah. So I don't know, Devontae. I'd like to I'd like to see them try to acquire a, an Al Jefferson or a Paul Millsap. Uh, Millsap I like better than Jefferson just because I think he's a better defensive player uh, and has a has a tendency to stay in the lineup, whereas a Big Al. Big Al's uh, injury problems have been well-documented, and he's not as quick defensively as he used to be. Uh, I'd like to see the Celtics acquire some sort of score. A guy to look out for, I think, I, I think Devontae, is the Celtics have a possibility of going after Danny Granger from the Pacers, who hasn't seen any time on the floor because he's been out all season. And now with the emergence of Paul George, I think that Danny Granger's numbers, our days are numbered, rather, uh, in, in Indiana. Thanks for calling, Devontae. I do appreciate it. Let's keep the call lines moving and go out to the 727. And who do I have at 727? Hi, it's Thirsty Boots. Thirsty Boots, thanks for calling. And I lost Rich, and that's a shame because we were having a very good conversation about the column that he wrote. And uh, I was trying to, trying to get him back on the line, but I'm not having much success. I answered his on the uh, forums. I tried to put an answer on his column, but uh, for some reason, Discus wouldn't take me. So, huh, that's no, too bad. I like, I like that column. Oh, it was and a terrific column. And I feel column. so vindicated. You guys are all coming around to my point of view. Oh, about blowing the team up? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm with that's you on that. I, 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 I think, Thirsty, that everybody should stay in place. I don't see that the Celtics get enough cap relief to make any kind of significant move to improve so why not get a healthy rondo back get Sullinger healthy keep the guys make one more run and you know what in february if the team is struggling then you can still work on trading pierce if, if you want That's, to but why not make a run in in at the uh, trade deadline he'll he'll be worth a little bit more money but he'll be worth more in the trade too because somebody's trying to get rid of somebody that they don't want who has a little higher salary That's right it will give the Celtics a bit more freedom. Hey, I have to, absolutely. I, I have to ask your opinion on the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and Pacers. I, I think you know my, my feelings about the Miami Heat, although I respect them. I think LeBron James is the best player on the planet. 
as somebody who's been a, an NBA fan for a long time, Thirsty, what They're do you think? Even longer of, than you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't. We don't need to go there. But, but <laughs> in your opinion, am I being too out of line by saying there's not enough respect being shown for the game by LeBron? Well, I, I was thinking about that when you were talking about it. I think uh, LeBron. I think he really is a team player. I really do. I don't think he. I think he takes too much on himself. A lot of them do. Uh, but even Bird was a real pain. You know, I yeah. mean, he'd, he'd right, right, play right. a whole game with his left hand to rub somebody's nose in it. You know, right. Just or tell somebody I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this shot from the full point line right in front of your face. You know, I mean, he he didn't just play the game and keep his mouth shut. <laughs> no, a lot of showboats. Now, and the other thing, too, is I, I think a lot of these players from the 80s, well, we really don't know what their personalities would have been like on social media and Twitter and being under the media spotlight that they, they are today. My objection, though, Thirsty Boots, is to what LeBron, the tantrums he throws. I never, ever, ever saw some of the great players of yesteryear do that, and that goes along with that sense of entitlement. And I think if you want to be a legend, Thirsty Boots. I'll go with that. Yeah, you know, if you want to be a legend, you've got to have. Don't you have to have some sort of etiquette or dignity on the court? Yeah. I just thought it was, he was acting like a, a three-year-old kid, and the same goes for the, the the flopping as well. Which I just, I'm so over it. It's just so outrageous. And I, I honestly, when it comes to that thing, I don't admire the officials at all in this situation because uh, they're damned if they do, if they damned if they don't in those situations, calling or not calling, they just can't win. So, um, but. But back in the day, we didn't know who the officials were. We didn't know there was one named Joey Crawford who was a star official. I mean, who knew? Exactly. They didn't play the game. They didn't sell the tickets. I I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about officials that I grew up watching, and Mindy Rudolph came to mind because he was on CBS a lot. If you remember Mindy Rudolph. And then there was, was it Earl Strom? But other than that, I don't really remember the officials being uh, celebrities. Celebrities themselves. Well, I remember yeah. Mindy Rudolph just because he was on the old uh, CBS uh, broadcast from time to time. Oh, I, I had something I wanted to ask you. Are you from yeah. Denver? No, I'm not from Denver. I just worked in Denver for five years. I'm from actually from Tacoma, which is where I live now. I'm from Avery uh, Bradley okay. now. Okay, because yeah. you said you were there uh, when Ray Bork won the on the. Uh... I, I was, and that was I a was huge. Too. Th- <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, wasn't I at the game. I was just stuck in the traffic. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and that was a crazy night, actually, the Avalanche one, because uh, yeah, the, it the, was fan, crazy. It the was fans crazy. were everywhere. The fans were I everywhere. I you know, friend, I don't know, if you lived there very long, I don't know if you've heard of him, Bill Bowick. He sang at the Buckhorn. That's where I was that night. I don't, that, I don't recall that, but to be honest, when I was working in Denver Thursday, I was working like a madman. I worked at Fox 31 Television. I worked alongside a legend in that town named Ron Zappolo. Uh, and I was very grateful to work with him because he's a Boston Celtics fanatic, Red Sox fanatic. You name Boston, he absolutely loves it. But I need to wrap up, Thirsty, because yes, you have another... Yes, I think, and he is the voice of the Western Channel now. Oh, well is that right? Thing. Yeah, and he used to be a, a DJ. So I didn't know Anyway, that. I just wanted to ask you about that. No, I, I know I appreciate that. Yeah, there, I was there from 2000 to 2005, and uh, I, I really uh, enjoyed my time there. And I, since I'm not 
I'm not in the TV business anymore. I'm just kind of having fun doing what I'm doing right now for CLNS and really don't have any plans to, to get back into TV. I'm getting a little long in the tooth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you're on my bucket list now, though. I want a cup of coffee and a cupcake. Oh, I'll get you one. Yeah, <laughs> sometime. I'd love, I'd love to sit and talk basketball with you sometime. Uh, and so what's amazing is everywhere I go. I mean, I can be in Gig Harbor, Washington. I can be in Denver, Colorado, San Luis Obispo, California. You name it, I will find Celtics fans. I will find Bruins oh, me fans. Me too. They're all over the world. <laughs> And like the other day when you were talking about the cupcake story you're referencing, I was at this little cafe with my mother, and these two, uh, this mother and father were talking back and forth. And next thing I know, a CLNS talk show launched right there in Gig Harbor, Washington. Everybody wanting to know what's going on with the Celtics, what's going on with the Bruins. It was crazy, but it was a lot of fun, too. Anyway, yeah. Thirsty, i, I got to let you go because i got to wrap up today's yep. show. Hey, okay. thank you so much for coming. Always a pleasure. That was one of our favorites at uh, CLNS Radio. That's Thirsty Boots. And we're going to have to wrap up Celtics Beat for this Sunday. I want to thank Baxter Holmes, the beat writer for the Boston Celtics, currently at the Boston Globe. He was also uh, a beat writer for the L.A. Lakers, believe it or not. Talk about covering basketball royalty. Absolutely uh, a pleasure to talk to Baxter Holmes. Hope to have him on the network one more time. Also want to thank my co-host, Rich Conti. And we lost him um, on the air, and that's disappointing because uh, he had a great article we were d- discussing that you can find on CLNS Radio. It's called Loosely Connected Thoughts on the NBA Playoffs and the Boston Celtics. If you get a chance, go to CLNS Radio, look up the article. You won't be disappointed. And that's going to do it for today's show. I'm Ty Ray. For my co-host, Rich Conti, this has been the Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. <laughs>